message today is grace, abounding grace. A few years ago, men in the family of our church members and congregation members passed away. He died in hospice. And there was no rejoicing at the time of his death. Sometimes there is. That's not a bad thing. Sometimes people rejoice because somebody dies because just glad he's gone. Then we rejoice because we're glad we're going to heaven. It's the difference. The only rejoicing about his going away was by his uh, bride of many, many years. And the afternoon that he passed away, on Sunday afternoon, she called me. Shortly after, I had received the word that he had died. And she called to tell me, Pastor, I'm going to call him Joe. If I'm not reflecting on Joe or Joe, I know there's about three or four of you here. I'm just, I don't want to call his real name, okay? I could have said John. I could have said Bill. But I said Joe. Okay. So, so she said, Pastor, Joe died this afternoon in hospice. I said, yes. Yes, ma'am, I, I heard about that. And I said, you know, one of the really good things about this is you know he went to heaven because our brother Jakey Carmichael went by this past week, visited with him, and he gave his heart to Jesus. And she said, well, I don't know about that. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I'm not sure that I want to go to heaven if he's going to be there. Now, now I'm telling you a totally true story here. She said, I'm not sure I want to go to heaven if he's going to be there. I said, why? What do you mean? We were rejoicing when we heard this past week that he'd given his heart to the Lord after all these years. She said, well, I don't think he deserves to go to heaven. And I don't, and I don't think he ought to be there. And I'm not sure if, he, if he's going to be there, I want to go. I said, you can't mean that. Oh, she said, you don't. She said, Pastor, you don't know how bad he was. She said, over the years, I've told you about difficulties. I never told you how bad he was. He's worse than you could even imagine. He was a scoundrel. He was brute. He was just mean, hateful. He never treated me right all these years. As years went on, he treated me worse. He said, I don't want to spend heaven, eternity with him. If he's there, I'm going to rethink it. I said, but she said, I'm not worried about it because there's no way he could be there. I said, well, now, you know, I mean, I'm dumbfounded. I'm listening to this. The man's just died, and I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, what in the world can I say? I can't say he wasn't a bad man because she's, she knows better than I do, she's, and she's making sure that I know he was a really bad man. And so she talked for a while, and I said, well, you know, and then the Lord, I know this came from the Lord because I was, I, I, I was on the phone, and I said, and, 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 then, and then at a moment that I know was inspired by the Holy Spirit, I said, you know, you know, dear, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I didn't know how bad he was. I said, He's, you're right. He doesn't deserve to be in heaven. He ought not to be there. 
understand why you're mad about it. I'm going to get a little bit bad about it myself, even thinking about it. And I paused her and I said, but you know, and I called her name. I said, you know, dear, the truth is he doesn't deserve to be there, and neither do you and I. And she paused. She said, Pastor, you're right. You're right. And friend, that's exactly where you and I stand today. We don't deserve anything that God has done for us. We don't deserve the healing. We don't deserve the blessing. We certainly don't deserve salvation, and we don't deserve heaven. We don't. Not one of us here deserves it. But I can tell you this, and I tell you this with a certainty, based on the Word of God and the experience that I've had with many people in the last moments of their life, I can tell you this for a certainty. The grace of God covers everything. The grace of God covers it all. And by the grace of God, we're saved, forgiven for sin, and ready to go to heaven to meet our sinless Savior who's welcoming us home when we come. Grace. Grace is beyond measure, beyond expression, beyond explanation. God's grace, the miracle of his gifts and the gifts of his presence to us. This is what Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says. The Apostle Paul is speaking. And he says, I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, the ministry to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That was the calling of the Apostle Paul to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good news of salvation, the good news of forgiveness, the good news of abundance, the good news of blessing, the good news of salvation now and forever. That good news is the gospel, and that comes only from grace. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. For by grace are you saved. Or by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, not anything you and I have done, not of yourselves, but by the gift of God. So God's salvation is his gift to us. Not what we've earned, not what we deserve, but it's God's Gift to us, out of the abundance of his love for us, God provides grace for our lives. Throughout his ministry, Paul declared that grace was the basis for his calling and his apostleship. I'm not going to read all these verses, but you can write them down if you like, and you'll go find them just as I'm telling you. Paul said the basis of his calling, his ministry, the basis of his apostleship was the grace of God. He said that in Romans chapter 15, verse 15. He said that in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 3, verse 10. He said that in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2, and again, verse 7. 
that grace is the basis of his, his whole calling, his whole life, and his apostleship. And then in 2 Thessalonians 2.16, this is what the same apostle wrote. Grace gives, grace gives eternal encouragement and good hope. This is the verse. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God of our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. If you're comforted eternally, you have an assurance. If you have hope, you have it through grace. And hope is the confident assurance that our salvation is secured and that we will spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. That is brought to you by grace and only by grace. John 1, 4, 1, 14, I, I should say. John chapter 1, verse 14. It, that teaches us that Jesus is the very embodiment of grace, coupled with truth. So we see this in Jesus. Grace is expressed in him, declared in him. This is what the verse says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is the very expression of the grace of the Father. Let me talk for a minute about what grace is. I'll tell you the difference between mercy and grace. Not a lot. It doesn't matter if you interchange the words, though there is a slight difference. Mercy is God not punishing us as our sins deserve. Mercy. God sent his son to die for us in a merciful act to provide a substitute for us on the cross. And Jesus, in his vicarious suffering, purchased our salvation by the mercy of God. Grace is God blessing us despite the fact that we do not deserve it. So the best definition, perhaps, that some have given of grace is, it is the unmerited favor of God, the undeserved favor of God, the unearnable, you cannot earn the grace of God, the grace that God pours into our lives and upon us in such abundance. Is something that we do not deserve. We never have, we never can, we never will deserve the grace of God. So all that God gives us is beyond anything that we deserve. The Bible speaks about our, our righteousness, our own righteousness being as filthy rags. And worse than that, worse than that, self-righteousness is an affront to God. A declaration to God that I don't believe in your sacrifice that you derive from my sins. I can make it without you. Self-righteousness declares your own selfishness and your belief in your own ability to make it without him. It is not true. You cannot make it without him. So mercy is deliverance from judgment. Grace is extending kindness to the unworthy. You know who the unworthy are. That's all of us here. This is I told about in the very beginning, that true story. I talked with the, the wife who had just become a widow. And I said to her, no, you're right. He doesn't deserve to go to heaven, but neither do you and I deserve to go. There's an ad on TV. I see it all the time. Well, I see it too much of the time. It says it's a lot, it's illegal uh, ad promoting, suing, some, trying to get enough lawsuits in. Like we don't have enough. So they want this lawsuit. What do you do? File a lawsuit. Something's happening. Whatever. 
And the, they always end. This is the ending of the ad. Don't settle for less than you deserve. And I'm going to say to you, I'm not talking about legal things. I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about your job. I'm not talking about your family or your friends. I'm talking about you and God. And I will tell you this. You better not settle for what you deserve. If you get what you deserve, you are lost and gone. And we don't have arms long enough to grab you and get hold of you and pull you back. Because you don't deserve any good thing from God. Neither do I. It's not on our own merits. Not because of our own ability. Not because of our own performance. Not because we've been such good Christians. We don't deserve the blessings and the favor of God. But God gives them anyway. Why? Because God is grace. And grace pours out blessings upon the undeserving. So, so make sure. And so I'm going to encourage you to follow that ad. Don't settle for anything. Don't settle for what you deserve. You better hope you get far, far more and far better than you deserve. I'm praying, God, please don't give me what I deserve. And I say that seriously. I've prayed that many times. God, please don't give me what I deserve. Show me mercy. Show me love. Show me favor. And God, show me your grace. Because I need his grace. I need his grace. A long time ago, a man who deserved nothing from God, who was a profligate, a sinner, an outrageous, egregious sinner, had a turning point in his life and he came to God. He was a slave trader back in the 1800s, late 1700s. He was a slave trader. He went to Africa and imprisoned people took them on slave ships, hauled them out to markets for sale. Nothing, nothing could be more egregious in the eyes of God. There are some people that I don't, and, and, and I will tell you, I know better because I know the Word of God, but I have a hard time believing that God can forgive some people. And sometimes the more I know about them, the more I believe it can't happen. But then I know that it can not because of what I know, but because of my faith in God through God's word. I know it can. Did you know and I did you know that the guards who, who took part in the Auschwitz and other death camps in World War II? I don't know if any of them are going to heaven, but I know they all could. Now you say I wouldn't want to be up there with them. Well you better get adjusted to it, because you might be. You might be up there beside a lot of people living next door to a lot of people that you don't think because you know them. You knew them down here, and you don't think they ought to be there. And they're sitting over there in that corner thinking the same thing about you. And both of us are right. We're both right. None of us deserves to be there. But the grace of God overcomes all of our undeserving nature. All of that is undeserving about us. The grace of God overcomes that all. So this slave trader turned to the Lord, and he cried out for forgiveness. He struggled with it for a while. He went on and on trying to get his life in order because he had lived so horribly before God. Finally, he became a 
a, a cleric in the Church of England, in the Anglican Church, preached and ministered the gospel. He wrote about 280 hymns that have been printed and recorded and sung. And one of those songs that he wrote, one of those songs that John Newton, the slave trader, wrote, was this song that has been sung probably more than any other Christian song in history. The song is 200 years old. You may say, well, that's old. We don't need to be singing that. People have been singing it for, singing it for all these years. Still singing it today. There are those who say, I don't know how they calculate this, they believe that that song is is sung 10 million times a year around the world now. It's it's been sung through all these years. Never never stopped singing it. But more and more, more and more, even, even in the greatest times of crisis in the history of this nation, in the Civil War and in the Vietnam War, This song rose to popularity. In fact, during the Vietnam War in 70-72, Judy Collins, kind of a folk singer-performer, sang this song, put it on record, and it stayed on the charts, on on the music charts, not of Christian music, but of all music. It stayed on the charts for like 60 or 70 weeks, rose to as high as the fifth position of popularity in the country, and was played over and over and over. I remember hearing it time and again on the radio. On any secular station at that time, that song just came and, and, and claimed a place in the minds of the people of this world. You know, I've got the names of quite a few people here who recorded that song. Some from every genre. Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, sang the slave trader's song. Johnny Cash. Willie Nelson. I started to make a comment about that, but I'll just pass on. He might need that song. <laughs> Grace. Elvis sang that song, recorded it, and sang that song. You know what it is. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind. But now I see. You can sing it with us. Amazing grace.
I couldn't see. I was blind. But he gave me that sight back again. I was a wretch. A wretch. That's a low piece of scum of humanity. I was a wretch. But grace saved a wretch like me. I was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind. I was blind. But now I see. And then he went on to write.
and sinner who had been saved by this grace went on to write, Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Isn't that true? Through all the dangers, the toils, the snares, the conflicts, the burdens, the complications, the losses, the despair, through all the things that have come upon you in your life, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. And because I've come this far by grace, one thing I know is grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. you safe thus far, he can take you the rest of the way. And grace, and grace will lead me home. And then, and then he said, some, some say that Newton didn't write this verse, maybe he did, I don't know, it makes no difference to me whether he did or he didn't. It's there, and it's powerful, and it's a part of the song. When we've been there 10,000 years. And if you go there, you'll be there 10,000 years and more. It's just going to be the beginning. 10,000 years is just going to be the breaking of the morning. The rest of it goes on. You say, oh, it's going to be a boring place. Oh, if you think God is boring, friends, you don't even imagine what it's going to be. You cannot even imagine, neither can I, the things that God has prepared for those who love him when he takes us with him forever into his presence. Hallelujah. When we've been there 10,000 years, we'll be bright shining as the sun. And when that day comes, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began. <laughs> when you've been there 10,000 years, it's just the beginning. Just getting started. We'll be, we've praised it for 10,000 years. And we still have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first started praising Let's sing this whole thing together. Let's sing this first. Let's stand and sing. And let the message of amazing grace, the grace of God, the undeserved favor of God, the unmerited blessings of God, that which you cannot deserve, you can't pay for it. You don't have enough to buy God's grace. You don't have enough good works to earn God's grace. There's no way you can do anything to gain God's grace except to believe and receive what Jesus has for you in your life. Amazing grace, how sweet the sounds.
red's like, put your name in there. And the red's like, God can save anybody who comes to him. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what's happened to you, what people have done to you, how unforgiving you are, how full of hate your heart may be, how despicable you find people that have harmed you. It doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter. I hate to say it, but the criminal, the criminal, the breaker of the law, those who've harmed other people, their actions can never be condoned, but they can be forgiven by the grace of God and changed and changed and made into new creation. If any man comes to Christ and believes in Christ, behold, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. And all things become new. Please bow your heads with me right now. In, in prayer for those in this congregation who may not have yet experienced the grace of God and salvation. The greatest things grace does for us, just as the greatest thing mercy does for us, is to bring us to salvation. Bring us to salvation. So if you are not a, have not committed your life to Christ, not giving yourself up to Jesus. We're going to sing the first verse of this song one more time. And only in that first verse of that song that I'm going to move on to something else right after that first verse. But if you want to come and say, this is my time. I know it is. I feel it in my heart. I feel drawn. I feel pulled. That's the Holy Spirit, friend. If, you, if that's going on in your life right now, while we start to sing, come here to this altar, and there will be people right here to pray with you and reach out and touch the Lord with you.
service this morning with a lifting of our voice and a shout to the Lord. We ought to open our voices and cry out to God. There are many dangers for us and say as we have already come. His grace that brought us safe thus far. Grace will lead us and cry out to God. Let's lift our voices. If you want to feel comfortable, lift your hands. That's right now, reach out to God. Cry out to Him, oh Lord. It is by your grace you brought us. It is by your grace, oh Lord. By your grace. Speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to us in the reality. The reality of this moment. We're standing here as those who have received the grace of God. We're living by the grace of God. Only have your grace, Lord, to carry us the rest of the way. Only your grace, Lord, to make us successful in this journey. Only your grace, Lord, to complete the rest. Only your grace. But your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. in that word, by the power of your grace. In Jesus' name. 